just watching surrogates initial reactions i'm daniel lewis and i'm e franklin joining me via skype tonight actually yes yes i'm i'm plugging in from my own safe home (laughs) (laughs) safe from the rain safe Safe from from whatever is out there right exactly i don't have to leave my home to plug into our podcast actually are we really certain we really went to see the movie or did our surrogates just go see the movie (laughs) i don't know it was pretty scary driving back so i kind of remember that part (laughs) oh okay well just a warning to you our listeners if you haven't seen the movie surrogate this podcast episode will contain spoilers so I'm not yes. going to even preface any spoiler. If, if you're listening to this, you're going to know what the how the movie ends because we'll probably mention it more than once. Yeah. So don't. So just stop it now if you need to. Okay. Yeah. Now we've got people that already know the movie. <laughs> now, what do you think of the movie overall? Impressions of it? It was a, a fun ride. Uh, I thought the ending was a bit anticlimactic, but. It was it was a fun ride. There was some good action in it, some mm-hmm. good suspense, and um, it was just fun to watch. There were really good effects with the way they did the surrogates. Yeah, I agree that the ending, I was expecting some kind of twist at the very end. I guess mm-hmm. because I thought I had heard someone say there was a weird twist at the very, very end, that is. I already expected the prophet to be a surrogate. From the very moment I saw him, I thought, oh, he's probably a surrogate too. <laughs> yeah. So I took many more notes than I expected I would take. I went into this when we went to watch it thinking, well, first of all, I thought, well, it's a mix between iRobot and The Matrix. But really, I'm not so sure I would call it that. No, it was a lot. If it were close to either one of those, it was closer to iRobot, and I really didn't see anything about Matrix in there at all. Right. I I don't think you could could compare it to Matrix at all. Yeah. So it was pretty good as a standalone story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and the really the only way that you could actually bring any kind of comparison with iRobot was the whole idea of of having an iRobot people use their robots to run errands for them and allowing them to do more important things at home and not have to get out. Yeah. So I could kind of see just a little bit of that, but surrogates is, I mean, it takes it to a whole new level where you just never leave home. Your surrogate does it for you and you're the surrogate. You're plugged into it. You're seeing and, and experiencing everything your surrogate experiences. I really didn't expect that there would be much to talk about with this movie, but I took more than a full page of notes and you can hear them. That's my page of nose. Notes, yeah. (laughs) My page of nose. I took a nose. (laughs) First of all, there was the scene where the main character, and I'm forgetting his name at the moment, Bruce Willis's character. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever his name was. I, I can't believe I forgot his name. I'm terrible with movie actor names. I kind of remember his boss's name, last name was Stone. Yeah. Okay, Stone's employee was going <laughs> to one of other Stone's other employees. And it was the geeky guy that was actually a human working among all of these surrogates. Right. And first of all, it was interesting that he's like one of the only people 
out there mm-hmm. working as yeah. a real human. Yeah. Kind of got the impression he didn't leave his office very much either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no wonder because he has full control over all of the surrogates. He can interrupt the signal. And he can even take control and upload things. As we discover at the end, he can upload the virus to all of the surrogates. Mm -hmm. But there was something in there that he said that he can tap into the stream of any surrogate and see what any one of them is seeing. And Mm -hmm. he said something along the lines of, this is what it's like to be God. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that comment. Yeah, it was like, whoa. I think it's maybe a little more restricted than what what you would want God to to actually be because, I mean, there is a limit to what he can experience. He can only experience what, or see what the the surrogates are seeing, but he can't experience what they're experiencing. Right. And he's seen it through their eyes, whereas in terms of God and wisdom, wisdom really is seeing the world through God's eyes, not God seeing the world through our eyes. See, he doesn't Mm -hmm. look at the world through our eyes. Our eyes are corrupted. We think of things, we have a sinful perspective or a corrupted perspective of the world. And so, it's not like God is looking through our eyes at the world around us because then he would get a skewed perspective. Mm -hmm. God looks from outside of us at the world around us, but he can see everything. What did you think about the comment? I think it was near the beginning where they, I guess it was when they were like doing the news flashes towards you know, the, the present of the movie where the surrogates are everywhere. They made some comment about it being the next evolutionary step for mankind. Yes. And I, it just tickled me that they, <laughs> that it, it was like the next evolutionary step was to go a- anti-biological that we all become machines. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you see that a lot in movies that they think either our next evolutionary step is some kind of, superpower, super intelligence. Mass mind, I've seen that. Yeah. Or machines. But machine machines aren't even no, it's it's like evolve a pineapple into a hard drive. <laughs> it, it doesn't work. Yeah. You, you you can't evolve into a machine. Right. Something else that struck me in that montage at the beginning showing the history I think it started, what, 15 years back? Mm-hmm, something like that. Is they were crediting the creation of surrogates with the total solution of all social issues. Mm-hmm. No crime at all. No discrimination. Yeah. Yeah. Which... You know, I thought it was very interesting that they, they tried to make it look like it would solve crime and violence. But as a friend that we went to see it with commented, it's like it kind of dehumanizes people. Mm-hmm. And we have we have too much trouble with that when we're walking around as human beings with us, you know, people de- dehumanizing. I mean, there's a scene where he's like driving the car and he's just like hitting surrogates, you know, as he's going down the street, you know, just wham, 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 wham. It's like he doesn't even care. I mean, what if there had been a real person walking down the street? Mm-hmm. I mean, how would he know? I mean, he was just assuming they were all going to be surrogates and they wouldn't hurt the humans if he hit them. And it, to me, it, it actually dehumanized people rather than made them, you know, reduce discrimination or whatever. And the crazy thing that I see in it is that they're saying, well, 
Okay, surrogates separate humans from having actual, real human interaction with other humans. Mm-hmm. But separating ourselves from other people does not change our sinful nature. No. They're almost saying that machines can remove us from our sinful nature. Yeah, and I don't know that that, that could happen because we still know that there are people behind the surrogates. Mm-hmm. So all of the things that you you emotively feel for another person is going to be the same regardless of whether you're facing that person face on or through a computer or through robots or however it's going to be. I was thinking that really we live in a surrogate society as it is because so much of our interaction is done online now. It's like you don't even know a lot of times the people you're talking to in these online communities are really who they say they are. You still have that same identity issue that they they portray in the in the movie yeah like he said to that black lady you could be some fat guy and other stuff mm-hmm. sitting at home and i wouldn't know it and it's like well yeah true and we see that throughout the movie mm-hmm. is that all yeah, of these there was people a sexy blonde at the beginning where that got killed through her, her surrogate and when they went to the house of the of the operator it was actually a, a big fat guy yeah that's <laughs> Yeah, it was a very feminine apartment too. That just kind of gave me the creeps. Yeah. Now it struck me that the culture depended on the surrogates so much. It was like they they couldn't have life outside of their surrogates. Mm -hmm. And it actually shows that because the the FBI agent, who's the lead character, who we both have forgotten the name of, it must have been a really great name. (laughs) (laughs) Um. When he gets unplugged, his surrogate is destroyed, and the FBI has told them he's not going to get. They're not going to get him a new one for a while. So he's walking around as a as a human, and he's actually kind of, you know, having like, like, environmental shock walking down the street because it's really him and not his surrogate, and it's kind of scary. And because they kind of show that it's difficult for people to unplug and actually experience life for real. Yeah, and it was almost too real to him because the sounds were mm-hmm. too loud, the the experience just too riveting for him, mm-hmm. whereas like the surrogates had filtered all of that out for him previously. Right, and they had fail-safes, so you, you knew that if, you know, like a, a car hit you, that you would be automatically protected from that. You, you wouldn't feel the pain or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And the main character's name, by the way, and I'm on the wrong IMDb page. Oh, IMDb, (laughs) you failed me. Fail, fail. (laughs) I thought it was interesting, the political statement. Well, of course, every movie has its political statements. Mm -hmm. The political statement about war and government within the movie is they're showing at first they show just this a few soldiers manning a few kiosks and then the commander says we're in the middle of a peacekeeping operation and Mm -hmm. it shows this huge room with all of these soldiers and Mm -hmm. fighting and which a comment i made i kind of leaned over 
and spoke to to somebody else during the movie that was sitting with us and I, I made the comments like, what are they fighting over? If the surrogacy has removed all violence and and solved all our social issues, then what's the war about? I mean, yeah. what are they fighting over? Apparently, it's only solved domestic legal issues, not issues of the heart and not international issues. Yeah. That's why we should upgrade. <laughs> Tom, Tom Greer, by the way. Tom Greer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Looking over my notes, trying to read my handwriting. <laughs> it is very hard to write in the dark. I need glow-in-the-dark ink while I write. <laughs> there was a statement. Death isn't an ending. It's only the beginning. That was said by the prophet in his monologue to his people when they were doing a, a sacrificial-like burning yeah. of the body of the one guy. Yeah. <laughs> the other guy. We can't the remember other guy. his name. Yeah. Oh, I should try and write names down on my notes. But he said that sacrificing yourself, you keep living, and that's what being human is about. That's a paraphrase of what he said. Right. And in a sense, I think we can agree with him, almost, Mm -hmm. because sacrificing ourselves for the benefit of others is not only human, but it is exhibiting a level of love that... It's almost divine. <laughs> yeah, that I was trying to think yeah. of a way to not use that word, but I guess that's the right. only way to use the word. See, Jesus right. Christ said in John fifteen thirteen, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And if we look at the evolutionary worldview of things, there is absolutely no reason whatsoever to lay down your life for someone else. Mm-hmm. Because evolution is a struggle for survival, a f- survival of the fittest thing. Mm-hmm. And for the fittest and the stronger to lay their lives down for the weaker is contrary to the progression of evolution. But yet, that's what makes us human. Right. And that's what makes us, uh, that's what illustrates how we are created in the image of God, not the process of a struggle of death and suffering over millions of years of evolution. Right. I did think it was funny that when we see Tom Greer's wife, that she's taking all of these pills. Yeah. And one of the reasons why the surrogates were created in the first place is to avoid, because the world is not safe. They say that all throughout the movie, that the world Mm -hmm. is not safe. And so let your surrogates go out there and you can experience the world from the safety of your home. Right. Yeah, she's taking all of these pills and... Well, part of that, and I think she's avoiding, you know, because with them, they're struggling over the grief of losing their son. And I think she's not dealing with her grief. She's trying to avoid her pain by living this fake life. And whenever she's unplugged... She is, you know, she's herself and she has to deal with the grief that she's avoiding. Hmm. And and I think a lot of people 
use, especially what I, in what I call our drug culture of today, they prescribe a medicine for everything. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, if you're depressed, if you're lonely, if you have social issues, I mean, everything's got a drug. If you can't sleep, if you, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, that that's really just, you know, the way in our culture that we try to avoid dealing with, with some of our own personal issues um, is by taking drugs. Yeah, true. Uh, I was thinking... When I first saw it, I was thinking maybe it was because she had some kind of disease. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, now you have a good point. Yeah, yeah, she's she's and and you kind of see that at at the end where where they get back together um, as real people and not surrogates, which was was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad they kind of included that. Now, did you catch that most of the surrogates never blinked? Yeah, they looked. They did a very good job of really la- allowing you to see who is a surrogate and who is human, yeah. because the surrogates were just too perfect. Right. It was like like their 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 faces did not have the just the slight imperfections um, that make people look you know biological. I guess mm-hmm. is the best word. Because I mean, it's like even uh, even we know that like if you draw a line down the middle of your face and and do a mirror reflection you look like a totally different person because you one half of your face is different than the other half of your face and you know it just kind of little things like that and it's like they had to have had actors playing all of all of these but they did a very good job of of making them look fake mm-hmm. yeah with perfect skin and everyone was thin Mm -hmm. and skinny and even bruce willis they did something with him that when we see him as a surrogate i noticed it's like wow he he looks thinner (laughs) and then when he's just a regular human uh, maybe they help emphasize weight a little bit Mm -hmm. and of course like everybody that's not a surrogate is fat according to the movie yeah fat or ugly looking yeah or they just look real. It's like we're so used to seeing people portrayed on the screen as being, uh, you know, perfected, you know, with mm-hmm. makeup and clothing. And and most of our Hollywood idols are, you know, either extremely young, take advantage of makeup and plastic surgery and, and strange diets and everything to stay looking perfect so that they can keep their roles on TV and you only see grossly um, weird people when they want somebody to portray somebody who's grossly (laughs) weird. You know, the average person is always portrayed as beautiful on the screen. There is a verse in Proverbs that says, beauty is vain. We know that, that beauty, well, vain meaning empty. And Mm -hmm. beauty, like everyone says, is skin deep. Mm-hmm. But what was really neat to see is Tom Greer's relationship with his wife. Well, it was a struggling relationship, but how much he desired his real wife. Right. How much. He didn't want the beautiful stand in, he wanted the real flesh and blood woman. Right. You know, and, regardless of what she looked like or what she was going through. And I think that that was really neat that they brought that out mm-hmm. and in some ways showed that his wife had some extra morals too in not partaking of the 
the uh, smoke like thing. I'm trying to remember what kind of drug that was like marijuana or uh, it was like shock therapy. Yeah, it, it looks like though there's some kind of drug that you inhale through a tube like that. Oh. And I was kind of wondering when I first saw that, I thought that looks kind of techy, but how are they going to inhale that? <laughs> Discover it's not inhaled, it's shocked through. It's kind of weird. Like they get high out of hurting their surrogates because it can't really hurt them. And I don't know, maybe that stimulates endorphins or something. Who knows? It was weird. It kind of makes me wonder, though, why even bother with machines if the machines and the computers are doing such a good at transmitting the feelings Mm -hmm. to the people? Why not just have it all software driven? Right. Instead of actually having people walk around, why don't you just live in a virtual world? Exactly. It'd be a whole lot less, uh, you know, there would be a lot less involved with it. I mean, you wouldn't have to build all these robots and have them walking around and clothing and all that stuff. You can just plug everybody into a virtual world, and then you have Matrix. Yeah, exactly. That's And that's why they can't do it, apparently. It's thought, Let's make a movie that's kind of like the Matrix, but not. <laughs> What did you think of Cantor, the old guy that created the robots and then, or the surrogates, and then wanted to destroy them as well? Well, part of it, I think, was that he got pushed out of the money-making part of it. I mean, he was he was head of the company, and, and they pushed him out of the company, and, and I think um, that it, it kind of made him mad, and so he was trying to find a way to... Um, go against the company and the only way to go against the company that made the surrogates was to be anti-surrogate and I, at least that's my take on him is that he, he got kicked out of the company he created and so he was anti the company Do you see a slight similarity between him and God before the flood where God said it displeased him that he made man because man had become sinful and so God decided that he would wipe out mankind except for Noah and his family and start over again? Yeah, I suppose you could see a parallel like that except for he's not very godlike in no. his, his way of doing it. I mean, he's, he, he, he wants to destroy the dependency on surrogates but he's willing to have take out all of the operators too and there, there's just something very twisted about that it's like the technology the way they show it it was so easy to protect the operators at the end from destroying the surrogates it's like why did he want to destroy the operators too when it was so it was just a matter of typing in some passwords on a computer and and you know and, and then the, suddenly all the operators were protected it's just weird now I know our listeners are probably instantly thinking, well, wait a minute, that's the same thing God did, is he killed everyone except Noah and his family. And what Cantor was thinking is kill everyone except these people in the... Uh, reservations. Yeah, reservations. What did they call them, the dreads? Yeah, dreads. <laughs> in the dread reservations. Yeah. So that was going to be his Noah. His ark, Yeah. yeah. And he created the arcs because the 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 leader that was that every that all the dreads followed the prophet were, the prophet was actually Cantor as a surrogate. Yeah, it's well. What's the difference then between Cantor's actions that would kill the majority of the world's population 
and God's actions at the flood. Well, he wasn't punishing the people who were doing wrong. I, I think that the people who were plugged into the surrogacy program were mostly innocent. They weren't um, sinful man acting out of out of a, a sinful heart. I'm not saying they weren't sinful. I mean, all men are, men are sinful. But they were not the culprits. So he wasn't necessarily removing the culprits. He, it wasn't God being judgmental. It was a man being uh, retributional. <laughs> right. It was a single man, individual man, mm-hmm. applying his beliefs upon the entire population of the world. And the people that he chose, and we could put little air quotes around that, to be the surviving people were just as morally degraded and sinful as those who chose the surrogates. Mm -hmm. And I would even say that choosing a surrogate is not a sin. What do you think? Would you agree with that? I, I don't see what would be necessarily sinful about it. Right. So the surrogates in and of themselves, to have a surrogate and use it, we could probably safely say that is not a sin. But it was that decision alone that puts people on Cantor's death list. Mm-hmm. And so that's something else that separates him from God's act of the flood. And now, one of the things I thought was ironic, and, and you, you had said that you saw it coming, and I guess to some extent I did too, the whole, you know, the religious leader of the dreads being... Um, what he was preaching against, he was actually a surrogate, and he was raising all of these people to hate surrogates and even, um, you know, destroy them if they came onto the reservations or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I kept thinking of, you know, on watching TV and watching a lot of movies is that you do see religious leaders portrayed that way a great deal on programs, either in movies or TV shows, where they raise up this leader and then he gets exposed to being you know, some criminal who has, you know, gathered these cults of, of innocent people who don't really understand what his true motives are. And and I think that that is a very subtle way of, of kind of trying to show that people who are religious who follow a leader often are sheep following a wolf in sheep's clothing. And um, I just thought it was... Not necessarily ironic, but that it's it's a predictable way that that Hollywood portrays religious leaders. Mm-hmm. Very true. And the last thing I have on my notes is something going back to Cantor. Is he said something in a little monologue about the world that he wanted to go back to? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't write it down in time, but what it made me think of is a model of Jesus Christ. And it, I was thinking of, he makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. And what mm-hmm. Cantor was saying Oh, you're monologue, talking about that comment where he said that he, he had created the surrogacy program to help the disadvantaged and to, to have the advantages that everybody else had. Right. And it, and it got blown out of proportion. Right. And then he continued on saying that mankind needs to basically experience the world for real and live for real. Mm-hmm. 
and then they made the comment at the end of the movie, it's like, we're on our own now. And I, I think he was kind of implying that it's better to be just human. And to some aspect, in, in what, what they were trying to do with the movie, that may be kind of true, that it's better to be human. It's better to experience the pain and the grief and the suffering and the happies, happiness and the joy and, and just all of those things that make it real to be human. But at the same time, it's not better to be just human because we are fallible, sinful human beings and we mm-hmm. have to, to look for um, bettering ourselves and maybe bettering ourselves, well, not maybe, bettering ourselves is not being more perfect in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense through Christ. Yes. So, any other thoughts on surrogates? No. But I could recommend people seeing it. It wasn't like the best movie I've ever seen, but it was definitely a fun ride. I enjoyed it. Now, just a slight word of caution. There are uh, some sexual references and immodest appearances, and just in case anyone's wondering. But I believe Focus on the Families podcast they're plugged in online and their site plugged in online.com will probably have much more information so if people want to know from a perspective right. of is it family appropriate then they can check that out but by now those people who haven't seen it themselves probably aren't hearing this so i don't know why i'm even saying that <laughs> well we could put it in the show notes so they read it first <laughs> <laughs> yeah we would love to hear your comments on if you've seen surrogates what you thought of it and you can send those comments to us at areyoujustwatching.com. Audio files are welcome, so you can even send those from your iPhone. You can record those from your computer or your other cell phone device or any kind of recording device and email those to us at areyoujustwatching.com. Or you can call them in from your phone, 859-353-4332. That's 859-353-4332. And you can find the show notes to this episode at areyoujustwatching.com slash podcast slash surrogates dash IR. That's surrogates dash IR. And hey, tell someone else about the podcast. We would really appreciate it and get some more listeners in here. And someday maybe a sponsorship would be just totally awesome. I was thinking the other day, listening to one of my favorite podcasts, uh, they were saying that Netflix was a sponsor. Oh, wow. And I was thinking, ooh, Netflix, that would be an awesome sponsor. Especially since I recently enjoyed a another free trial membership with Netflix and was able to watch a few movies for free because they gave me another free trial since I've never paid for Netflix, but they keep giving me free trial subscriptions every year. And I thought, <laughs> that'd be a cool sponsor. So if anyone is out there who could work that out to get us a sponsorship from Netflix, Blockbuster, Redbox, anybody, that (laughs) would be awesome. So we could watch our movies for free. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Daniel Lewis. And I'm Eve Franklin. Thanks for listening. Shutting down now.